0: One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six a number to get old to any time you would like email just as simple we'll get to a bunch of those today as well help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca we will cover mydisabilityquestions.com A very cool website along with InjuryCalculator.ca. Lots to get through, week that was. What has been happening, my friend? John, it's been a
1: packed week, so let's get right into it. Let's talk about some disability cases that came across my desk, as well as some emails that were posted or questions that were posted to MyDisabilityQuestions.com, the free website that we run that I answer questions for people who have LTD issues. So let's start off with uh, a a case. Uh, this uh, This is a disability case. We have, uh, we have a lady here. In 2013, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. In late 2014, the following year, she returns to work with restrictions. Company gets bought out. She's placed into production because of her restrictions. She's a warehouse attendant. Okay, so it's a right. physical job. In July, she is uh, told to go into short-term disability because of her Physical limitations, her disability. She's denied shortened disability in August. They say, or the reason for the denial is that they didn't have sufficient medical documents. Remember a few shows ago, in fact, every show that we do this topic, uh, we talk about how insurance companies have these excuses, reasons for why they deny disability. This is a very common one. You don't have sufficient medical documents. And oftentimes, that excuse or reason is given after a person submits a whole bunch of medical documents in support of the disability. Anyways, uh, apparently she appealed that decision. So she has difficulty because of uh, the remission, the breast cancer remission. She also has issues uh, lifting with her left arm. And again, we're dealing with a physical type job. Now, this is a classic, classic case of somebody who has essentially objective restrictions, is under the care of various doctors and practitioners. Those doctors are saying, this person cannot work. They have shortened disability, long-term disability. The insurance company, however, takes a different view Mm -hmm. and simply denies outright, invites the person to appeal. Remember, every time you are denied LTD, when you apply for it, or shortened disability, STD, you're always going to be invited to appeal the decision. Now, if you want, go ahead and appeal it. I can tell you from my experience, rarely, rarely do these appeals work, and they don't work primarily as far as I'm concerned because you're appealing it to the same people who denied you in the first place. So you're not going to change their minds. Look, I'm never going to say it's 100% that you're not going to get the appeal, uh, to have a successful appeal, but you're going to be wasting a lot of time, energy, and sometimes money because you are probably borrowing money or working off your savings, living off your savings. What you should do is you should call me, email me, let me tell you if you have a case, let me tell you what your legal options are, and that's it. You don't have to sign anything, you don't have to pay anything for that, we're just going to have a discussion, and then you can decide how you want to proceed. In this case, this lady, we're going to be able to help her. This is not going to be a difficult case to, uh, to resolve, and it's very, very typical to see these kinds of cases day in and day out at my office.
0: And that, that appeal process, I mean, you'll do it once, and they'll come back and say, hey, you can do it again, you'll do it again. Hey, you can do it a third time. You, it's like you're That's a right. hamster just
1: on a wheel, man. Exactly it's, it's, what it is. Yeah, you can just <laughs> go around the carousel, exactly. And at the no. end, you know, you're spinning, you have no idea what's going on, you're aggravated. Uh, and again, remember, during this time, which can take months, these appeals huh. can take months. We're not talking about days, we're talking about months. Uh, they're extremely frustrating, when you've submitted everything, your doctors don't know what else they should be saying because they've unequivocally said you're unable to work and yet the insurance, come ba- insurance company comes back saying, nope, we just don't buy it. We think right. you should be able to work. Well, no, it's not that simple. And what we do, which is different than the appeals process, is we start a legal claim against the insurance company. In other words, we take it out of the hands of the adjuster. As soon as we start a legal claim against the insurance company, we've put it into the legal process What happens internally for the insurance company is now there is a different adjuster that gets assigned, not the original one that was dealing with your claim. You're dealing with someone now whose sole purpose, really, is to figure out how to deal with your legal claim. And what's a legal claim? A legal claim is essentially a gun to the insurance company's head to pay what they ought to pay. Mm. Now, look, sometimes insurance companies have legitimate reasons for denying a claim. Remember, long-term disability, short-term disability... These relationships that you have with those insurance company are contractual. There is an LTD policy, and we have to look at the policy and see what is the test that you have to meet the criteria in order to get the disability benefits. Our argument is that your doctors are saying you are disabled. Right. They're saying, the insurance company, that you're not. Okay. Instead of trying to convince you adjuster that this person is in fact disabled, as their doctors are saying, we are going to hold that legal gun to your head. We're going to put this, uh, we're going to put a legal uh, uh, claim uh, through. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, the insurance company is now playing by a different set of rules. These are the legal rules. They can't escape it, which is why in, in the majority, vast majority of cases, we settle these claims
0: really quickly and, they, and, and you know, the insurance company pays the benefits that the individual is entitled to. It all starts with that phone call, 1-888-990-9646, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to my bis- uh, disabilityquestions.com as uh, Savannah mentioned in this first segment. When we return after a short break, it's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio AM 640. one 990 9646 is the number, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll uh, get through some emails over the remainder of the show today, and if you want to uh, call some anytime, that is a number to do so. More cases coming across your desk. What's going on now?
1: Well, let's read a few emails or a few questions that were posted sure. to mydisabilityquestions.com. This one's coming from Carrie in Toronto. She writes, my insurance company is refusing to approve the full term of my short-term disability benefits until my LTD claim is approved. If my LTD claim is denied, they will not pay out the full term of my STD payments, even though my STD claim is fully supported by a specialist opinion. Can they do this? So let's rephrase this. Uh, re- rephrase this. Uh, Carrie was approved for short-term disability. Right. Now, before the short-term disability period expired, let's say it's three months, four months, five months, six months worth mm. of STD. She, go, she does what is reasonable, which is, okay, my benefits are going to terminate soon. I'm going to now apply to long-term yep. disability. Apparently, the LTD insurer is telling her, uh, 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 sorry, the, the shortened disability insurance company is saying, we are not going to pay the full extent of shortened disability for the entire period of shortened disability unless your LTD claim is also approved. Now, remember, one has nothing to do with the other. She's already been approved for the STD Benefits, now. right? It makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make sense to you, John. It doesn't make sense to me. And so, Carrie, what I would tell you to do here, which is what I responded, is that no, they cannot do that. Unfortunately, insurance companies do a lot of things they're not supposed to do. <laughs> and they do it for one of two reasons. One of which, because you know, these adjusters are human, so they make mistakes. And when we're dealing with these claims, from a legal standpoint, we call them on those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And if we need to, we escalate this up. And so this is how we resolve these claims. We go above their heads. The second thing that you need to understand here is that insurance companies are in the business of making money. And one of the ways to make money, other than uh, getting paid uh, premiums, is paying as little as possible. And one of the techniques of paying as little as possible, i.e. claims, is to cut you off, cut you off prematurely, not pay the full benefits you're entitled to. Again, this is something that we see through. You as an ordinary individual who's fighting a disability, who's trying to get better, don't have the time, the energy, don't have the experience to deal with these insurance companies. That's why when you come to us and I'm dealing with your case or my team members are dealing with your case, we essentially even the playing field, right? Because then we are dealing with the insurance company uh, on, on, on an even footing here, right? Uh, so this is, again, one of those types of, of issues that we see. We don't see it that often. This is very unusual. Uh, but we certainly see a lot of instances where the insurance company tries to cut off people prematurely from their benefits, their disability benefits, or they just deny them outright. Either way, we can help. And we help people in those situations every day. Now, John, here's another email that, uh, or a question that was posted on the website. This is coming from Jan Caledon. I have been off work since August 1st, 2017, and under a physician's care due to severe anxiety, stress, panic attacks, etc. Today I received a care management report that the insurance provider will not support my claim and that I should appeal and provide new documentation. What should I do to protect myself? Again, you see this often, often, often. You see the insurance companies denying your claim, asking for more medical documents, and you're scratching your head saying, but I gave you everything I had my doctors give you everything they're had you know i do see uh, instances where when a person comes to me when they've been denied and i'm reviewing the medical documents that were provided to the insurance companies and sometimes the medical documents you know the doctor is trying to say something but perhaps he's not saying it in the way that the insurance right. company completely understands or perhaps they have follow up questions with the doctor and they can't reach the doctor so sometimes there's a communication issue between the insurance company and the doctors Again, we can help with that. Sometimes the insurance company just simply ignores whatever the doctors are saying. But again, as Jan here puts in her question, uh, they're saying that she should appeal and provide new documentation. Before you go that route, before you uh, pull the trigger and try the appeals process, which I know is very tempting because you're thinking, oh, I'm right. I'm sure they just made a mistake. Call me. OK, I've seen so many of these appeals and I've seen so many cases where, you know, people have genuinely tried to provide more documentation, go through the appeals process only to get rejected, rejected and turned down again. And all that happens in those cases that people feel like they can, that they, the only recourse they have is to give up. There's nothing more than they can do. And I'm telling you, you have a lot more power than you think you do. Insurance companies are not above the law. But people feel powerless because they think that these insurance companies are just billion-dollar entities and you can't fight them, and that's not true. The reality is, and I'm telling you this as somebody who used to defend insurance companies, okay? I used to work for insurance companies. It's a lot easier than you think, so long, of course, as you have a legitimate claim. You have a legitimate claim and you are wrongfully denied or your benefits were cut off, even if you think that you have no case, even if you think that, but you still can't go back to work, Give me a call or email me. What do you have to lose? You're not going to pay anything for the conversation that we're going to have. At the very least, you're going to know what your legal options are, and then you can make an informed
0: decision on how to proceed. Is it normal for the short-term disability insurer to be the same as the long-term, or the two different companies often? Uh, got It can be either or. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can have an
1: insurance. So you have, uh, there's a whole variety of permutations here. You can have situations where it's the same insurance uh, company providing short-term disability and long-term. You can have... uh, the employer providing short-term disability right. and then an external insurance company providing long-term, or you can have no short-term. Perhaps you have to you, know, you have to go on EI sick benefits, and then you have long-term. So there's a whole bunch of these. But the it's it's a good question because what happens if it's the same company, same insurance company that's providing you short-term disability and long-term, and let's say you were denied short-term. If we start a legal claim, do we start it for the short-term? Or for the short term and the long term, both. given this exactly right. for both, exactly particularly if, if we're talking about a
0: disability that we we can project to be right. uh you know to 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 extend it's the long last term. a while exactly right? absolutely yeah one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six the number anytime it is help at the insurance lawyer this is the insurance and injury law show talk radio Mayhem six forty one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six the number help at the lawyer dot say get a couple more cases and then we'll get to some of your emails uh, for the remainder of the show as well if you haven't checked it out mydisabilityquestions.com, and we'll uh, cover that as well go ahead bill so I, I got this email from this gentleman who um, the,
1: the the subject line was settlement question and the context of, uh, of 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 this email it's a car accident case the context is that he has a lawyer. Uh, but he just wanted to reach out to me uh, just for advice, perhaps a second opinion, which I'm more than happy to give. Uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I'm not going to ask you who the lawyer is. I'm just going yeah. to tell you if I think that the case is progressing as it should. So here's what he writes. He says, I was stuck in traffic this past weekend, and I heard your show on AM640. I was very interested in the show as it is very informative about how s- settlements are made. Uh, I'm emailing you to get some clarity about my situation. My scenario is that I got injured in January of 2015 when an oncoming car lost control and hit me head on. As a result, I had a single broken fracture in the middle of my tibia fibula, which is the leg. I lost consciousness, and they told me I also had a minor concussion. As for my job, I am an electrician apprentice. I was out for five months with a lot of pain, uh, and I was put on light duties after that. I assume I've lost about $30,000 in pay with my time out. I'm on modified duties, but I'm doing the majority of the work I used to do now. I say modified as I work through pain and the times another electrician would have to do some tasks instead of me due to discomfort and pain. Then he writes that he used to play soccer and now he can't, uh, etc. And then he writes, can you please give me an estimate of what my case may be worth? I feel like my lawyer is just going through the motions, uh, then he's fighting for every dollar. So first of all, uh, you know I, I had uh, an exchange with this gentleman. We went back and forth and my conclusion at the end uh, was that the lawyer he has is actually doing a decent job. Okay. And, and you know as far as I'm concerned, the lawyer actually is acting as he should uh, just based on the information that I had. But here are a few things to to note. When you're dealing with a car accident, particularly when you're dealing with a fracture, remember if someone else is at fault for the accident, There are two types of insurance that you're going to be potentially accessing. Actually, it could be more than two, but the two basic ones are these. First of all, your own automobile insurance company is going to be paying you accident benefits. If you can't work, then you're entitled to income replacement benefits. These are benefits to replace a portion of your income. And it varies. It depends on what kind of insurance you had. But generally, standard policies are f- up to $400 a week. Unless okay? you pay for more. Unless you pay you're for more. more, unless you have optional benefits. But you're also going to have you know, certain benefits to cover your rehab. Uh, and again, depending on the severity of your injuries, you may have access to attendant care. If you need people to take care of you and help you with the bathing, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there is another type of insurance you may be able to access, and it's called a tort claim, tort insurance, meaning that if somebody is responsible for your accident, you may have a legal claim against them for pain and suffering, the other guy, exactly. Mm -hmm. In this case, this gentleman obviously lost some time, he lost some money, so he's going to get some recovery of that, but the concern that I have here is that he he sounds like a young guy, it's a severe injury to his leg, being an electrician is a physical job, Mm -hmm. What is the the you know overall or, or what is the what are the long term repercussions of this accident on his ability to earn income into the future? If he's on modified duties and he can't perform all his duties, let's assume that that's something that will uh, continue long term. It means that to some extent he is uh, less competitive in the workplace. Loss of competitive advantage. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah w- which which is compensable. So we have to look into that. We have to look as to whether or not you know he's losing. Opportunities in the workforce for advancement as a result of this severe injury. And again, I don't have enough information to assess exactly what you know the full range of of damages that he's entitled to, but this is a severe injury. When you have a fracture uh, that or or a tear or something, a concussion, by the way, which is a brain injury, when you have those kinds of injuries and there is an impact, a long-term impact on your life, on your home life, on your career. On on you know various things that you're used to that now you can't do or have difficulty doing, there are different types of damages that can compensate you for that. You're never gonna be made a hundred percent full, and at the end of the day, we're dealing about money, you know. But people, John, they want to know what can I be looking at if I have back pain, if I have right. a concussion, if I have a fracture. Well, one of the tools that I, I want to discuss is the injury calculator, injurycalculator.ca. Uh, And and that website we created a few years back, and what it does is it gives you a starting point. It allows you to go on it. It's free, and you essentially put in uh, just a few uh, key pieces of information. When did the accident happen? What kind of injury Mm. did you suffer? Uh, Has your income uh, ability, earning ability, been compromised? And what it does is it scans through a database of legal cases that we've assembled from across Canada, and it tells you, how much money for pain and suffering you are potentially looking at. A high end and low end, right? High end and the low end Mm -hmm. for your type of injury that you're looking at if you start a legal claim. Now, remember, that just deals with pain and suffering, doesn't deal with income loss, doesn't deal with out-of-pocket expenses, doesn't deal with other types of damages. It just deals with pain and suffering. And again, remember, in some types of accidents, it may be 100% the other person's fault. It may be a 50-50 apportionment of fault. So we're not talking about that. We're just talking about what is a a broken leg worth, quote unquote, or what is a broken back worth, quote unquote, under Canadian law. So it's a fantastic uh, uh, tool that I I really, you know, I'll tell people and, and people have been using it. And at the end, once you go through the calculator, you can click to have a consult with us if you so wish. If you don't, that's fine. At least you got the information. You know how to proceed.
0: If you're talking a young guy who's injured to that degree or even greater degree, and you're know you talking maybe 25, 30, 40 years of loss of competitive advantage, is that when you break out the uh, forensic accountants and say, okay, look into the future. You're, that math's all got to be done. It does. Right? Uh, 100%, yeah. yeah. And, and we oftentimes use forensic accountants. We
1: use doctors, right. engineers, a whole array of experts to really gives us you know to to to, to, re- to really give us a, a clear picture sure. or as clear a picture as we can about the value of the claim uh, and and you know projections in the future. Listen, nobody has a crystal ball. But the best we can do is hire experts who are amazing at what they do and have credibility with you know the the, the lawyers and the insurance companies to tell us how much is this person going to be losing and how much has that person right. has that person lost so we can get them the proper
0: compensation. Starts with a phone call 888 990 9646 and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Again, the website that uh, Savan just mentioned, the tool as well, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your injury could be. More of the insurance and injury. Law Show on the way. Talk radio, AM 640. one the number. Get a hold of Savannah. You can email them as well. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some of those emails here in uh, just a little bit. Get to a, a question. It gets sent in. It comes uh, through all the time. Let's talk about, uh, well, let's talk about uh, long-term disability. What is the most important thing, the most important thing someone could do to maximize their chances of not getting cut off uh, their options when they do get cut off? Because, you know, insurance companies tend to do that quite regularly. Quite regularly, absolutely. So first of all, the number one thing is know your legal rights, okay? You have
1: to know what you are entitled to under the policy. You know, the one thing that I want to make sure people understand is is this. Insurance companies are not just giving you a handout. They are paying you because they are contractually obligated to pay you. Just like when you work for an employer for, for whatever the money is, whether it's commissions or a base salary, whatever it is, you're not, you know, they're not paying you because they're giving you a handout. You have a contract with them, verbal or written, and they're paying you under the contract. Same thing with insurance companies. So you have to know your legal rights. Uh, But let's break that down. How do you, let's say, increase your chances of getting paid and not being cut off LTD? Well, first of all, provide medical support for your disability. Not just one piece of paper you know, once a year, give details. Exactly. Make sure that your doctors are putting in the effort and the time that may cost you a little bit of money to pay your doctor to write a report. You need to do it. You have to do it because if your doctor is not going to do that, you're going to have a problem with your insurance company. So make sure that you go to your doctors regularly. You make sure that, you know, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you have certain types of illnesses or disabilities that require a certain specialty, you go to that specialist. Another thing you can do that will really increase uh, the chances of not getting cut off is being responsive to the adjuster. Now, this raises an interesting issue. Many people, when they contact me, they contact me because they just can't stand dealing with their adjuster or their case manager for whatever reason. Maybe they're not getting along. Maybe they feel like they're getting bullied And so that raises significantly the level of anxiety that the disabled person feels. Of course, you resolve that by having me deal with the adjuster so you don't have to talk to them. But be that as it may, if you're dealing with the insurance company, make sure you're responsive to them. If they're calling you, call them back. If they're emailing you, email them back. The last thing I'll tell you is this. Comply with reasonable requests. And the operative word word here is reasonable. What does that mean? Well, if they're asking you to see one of their doctors, you need to see one of their doctors, right? You may not necessarily uh, like their doctor. Their doctor may give an opinion you don't like, but under the policy, most insurance policies, you do have to see their doctors. Uh, Maybe they want you to try a return to work program. Again, these are all loaded type of, of questions and suggestions and requests from the insurance company But again, if it's a reasonable request by the insurance company, you may need to do that or at least understand how to deal with that request. Uh, Maybe they want to do a phone interview with you. That's very reasonable. Again, it's very common. You need to do that. And you know, John, again, and I'll say it out there, if you are in that situation, the insurance company is asking to do something, whether they want you to participate in a return to work program, they want to do a phone questionnaire, you have anxiety about those issues, Contact me, email me, call me. Let's have a discussion. I'll tell you what your legal rights are. But if you do get cut off, my recommendation is that you do not appeal the cutoff. It's very inviting. It's very tempting. And one of the things that I'm thinking about doing is I'm thinking about getting just a whole bunch of testimonials from people who are going to tell you that they've been in that situation because God knows on a weekly basis, I get bombarded with people who say, if only I have known, if right. only I had known my time. that I was gonna waste, yeah, three, four, five, six, eight months of my life fighting these appeals. And of course remember, John, once they come to us, we start a claim almost immediately. We resolve these claims fairly quickly. What does quickly mean? Usually within a matter of months. I can't guarantee you that I'm gonna resolve no. your case in a month, but maybe in three months, five months, six months. You go through these appeals, oh. you're gonna waste all your time and then we're still gonna go through that legal process. Right. And at the end of the day, it's going to be your choice. If you want to do the appeals process and take a shot, it's a shot in the dark, you're probably going to miss. If you're going to call us, at the very least, we'll tell you what is the strength of your case. Does it make sense for you to start a claim? Does it not make sense? And listen, I've had people who called me where I've told them, listen, I don't think your case is strong enough. I don't think it makes sense for you to proceed with a legal claim. The vast majority of people who contact me with LTD or STD issues are people who know that they are disabled, they know they have a problem, they think they've been wronged by the insurance company, and their own doctors are supporting them being off work. When you have that all put together, I think usually people, when they come to me with that kind of a constellation of, of issues, we have a case. We
0: have a case we can pursue, and we can get them the compensation they deserve. Got a couple minutes here till we break. I'll slide in Melanie's email at uh, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Says, my father, 56 years old, earns over 100 a year. Has a bad back and applied for long-term disability, but uh, was denied. There you are, because the insurance company says that they think it could still work. His doctor says he can't. What do we do? Don't you just love that? When the insurance companies, the adjusters say, oh, no, we disagree with what the doctor says.
1: So, Melanie, first of all, thank you for contacting us on behalf of your father. And for other people out there who are in that situation, maybe you're not having these issues. Perhaps you didn't have the accident or been cut off LTD, but you know someone who has. Tell them about the show, have them go to one of our websites. It's free just to get information. So Melanie, let's deal with your father's case. First of all, what the adjuster thinks is irrelevant. What's relevant is, can your father, does your father feel that he can go back to work? And what do the doctors say? If his doctor, as you say, gave the opinion that he's unable to work, Mm -hmm. well, then he qualifies. He should qualify. And if he doesn't, we can force the insurance company to qualify. Don't hesitate to fight back. That's what I'm trying to tell people. Let us help. And remember, it's a tactic that's used widely by insurance companies to make more money, which is to not pay people who legitimately are disabled and should be paid LTD. Remember, you're not applying for a handout. There is a contract here. All you're doing is enforcing the contract. You have LTD because you have insurance. You paid for the premiums. Your employer paid for the premiums. It doesn't really matter. That insurance is supposed to be peace of mind. It's no different than home insurance, auto insurance, travel insurance. And there is no reason, no reason why people are placed in a position where on the one hand they have to deal with their disability to try and get better and on the other hand they're getting re-victimized by the insurance company that's supposed to be there for them and protect them. So again, give us a call, email me. I promise you at the very least, at the absolute very least you're going to come out with the legal information you need, be informed about what your legal options are, and then you can decide what you want to do. And then Melanie, in your in your case, you contact me or your father contacts me or both of you. I'll be happy to speak with both of you.
0: One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number, Mel, and the email is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. More coming up. We'll take a short break. The insurance and injury law show right here, talk radio, may M six forty. One triple eight nine Savan's number right there and help at the insurance lawyer dot If you want to find out what your pain and suffering amount should be, very simple. It's a very basic and easy website to use called the Injury Calculator at InjuryCalculator.ca as well. So, LTD insurer, can they force a person to apply for CPP disability? Excellent question. No. I get that all the time. So, here's a scenario.
1: You are on LTD. You get a call, email, or letter from the adjuster saying, have you applied for CPP disability? If not, why not? You should. You mm-hmm. have to as a provision under the policy. Right. So, first of all, let's break it down. What is CPP disability? It's a government program, okay? It's a disability. It's CPP, but if you're disabled, you've paid into it, essentially. But there is a test to qualify, and the test is, is your injury or is your illness or disability severe and prolonged? Sometimes you get approved, and sometimes you don't. It depends on the circumstances. But can the insurance company force you to apply? Most LTD policies contain provisions that say that you have to apply or you need to apply for CPP disability. But what if you don't? Well, if you don't, there are two things insurance companies can do. Either they can take the position that you are in breach of the policy and so therefore they don't have to pay you. Remember, it's a contract right, between you and the insurance company. That's not usually done. What is usually done, which is where I get the majority of the phone calls, is that people call me and say, insurance company said I should apply. For whatever reason, I haven't applied. So now they're estimating how much I should be getting from CPP disability. Uh, And now they're deducting that from what they used to pay me. So if they used to pay you $3,000 a month, and they think you should be getting $1,000 a month from CPP disability, they are now paying you $2,000. Why? Because under the policy, there's usually going to be a provision that says that they are entitled to a credit for whatever you should be getting from CPP disability. Even though they're guessing. Even though they're guessing, exactly. So I always tell people, listen, apply to CPP disability if you are on LTD. And you you should do that for a bunch of reasons. Number one, if you apply and get denied, the insurance company can't blame you for not applying. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you apply and get approved, suddenly you're getting another income stream. So if down the road the insurance company cuts you off, and we have to fight them, you're still getting some money from CPP disability. Number three, if you apply for CPP disability and you're approved for CPP disability, there is an other, and there's another argument now that we can throw at the insurance company to say, well, if the government approved you for disability, why is the insurance company taking issue that you are disabled? It's a tougher filter, right? It's a tougher filter. Yeah, insurance companies, is going to you know they're going to come back and saying, well, it's a different test. You know, CPP disability hey, is course. easier to get. That's nonsense. Okay, uh, in fact, you can have situations where a person gets LTD and gets rejected or denied CPP disability, and you have situations where a person gets approved for CPP disability and gets denied LTD. But the point is that you should apply for CPP disability. If you are an LTD,
0: the amount of pros significantly, in my view, outweigh the cons. So the insurance company was right in the fact that if you do get approved, whatever CPP gives you, that is deducted from the LTD insurer. Yes, right? it, it is deducted. That's yeah, th-
1: th- that's right. It, okay. it is absolutely normal. Uh, the only, and that's why they care.
0: That's why they really they don't sure. really care that you're getting, you know. Uh,
1: Money from CPP. They want to save a few shackles on a Exactly, them. Yeah, exactly. So, so just so we have an example here: if you're if you're owed three thousand a month from the LTD insurer and you apply for CPP disability and you get a thousand bucks a month from CPP, you're not getting a thousand plus three. No, you're getting a thousand, and then two. the insurance company only pays <laughs> you two thousand. Exactly. Yep. But again, remember: if you apply and you get approved by CPP and then you get denied or cut off by the LTD insurer it's much easier to fight the LTD bolsters insurer. It bolsters your case. It bolsters yeah. your case, exactly.
0: Mike writes in says, my wife is on LTD for joint chronic pain and sciatica and was uh, just told by the insurer that they wanted to see an insurance doctor. What should we expect? Well, Mike, this is something that we've been discussing
1: on the show quite a lot, and it's extremely common for this to happen. So remember something uh, basic here. Uh, the insurance company wants you to see one of their doctors. Expect that doctor that was hired and paid for mm-hmm. by the insurance company to do what well yeah you could say it you could say it i don't know john uh let, let's just say this i used to work for for insurance companies yep. as i said before and we would you know when we would uh try and figure out which doctor to send mm-hmm. the individual to one of the considerations would be well, you know, is this doctor somebody that you know we think we can get a favorable opinion? Might to see it us? our way. Exactly. Yeah. Now, again, remember, I don't want to you know uh, paint all doctors that work for insurance companies with the same brush. It's not true. Some doctors, some doctors who work for insurance companies, have been criticized by judges as being advocates for insurance companies. They may be fantastic doctors. But then when they're hired and paid by the insurance doctor to do one of these assessments, and by the way, these assessments are called IMEs, Independent Medical Assessments, which is a misnomer, right? Uh, It's not independent. These individuals, these doctors are hired by Mm -hmm. the insurance company. What you should do, Mike, uh, or what your wife should do is make sure that she records in writing for herself any issues with the assessment with that insurance doctor, Anything that's unusual, whether you know the doctor only sees her for two minutes as opposed to the full hour, uh, whether the doctor is being abrasive, whether the doctor is not asking certain right. questions which are relevant or asking questions which are irrelevant, you, you make sure you record all of these things and perhaps share them with the adjuster later on. One of the other things that you need to do, and I really, really think... Uh, not enough people are doing that, is after you go through one of these assessments with an insurance doctor, you ask the adjuster for a copy of the report that's generated. Go through the report. Go through it with a fine-tooth comb because I bet you you're going to find some inconsistencies, some problems Mm. with it, particularly when the opinions or the conclusions uh, drawn from the information that was provided is contradictory to what your own doctors are saying. And you know, make sure you record all those inconsistencies and things you disagree with. And again, you make sure that you provide that in a written form like an email to the adjuster. And the last thing, give that report from the insurance doctor to your own doctors. Have them comment on right. the conclusions mm-hmm. that the insurance doctor has reached. It's going to be very, very powerful to pit the insurance company's doctor, whom the insurance company paid for, against your own doctors, who are essentially not getting paid, and they're not really your advocates. Sure.
0: They're treating you, and they've known you for a long time, unlike this insurance doctor. 1-888-990-9646, help at the insurance That is the email address. We'll get right back to an email after a short break in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. one 990 9646 the number now after the show. Anytime to get a hold of Savannah, it is help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. And Don writes in, says, my sister has been suffering from fibromyalgia for years and managing at work. But earlier this year, after a fall on an icy sidewalk, she had tremendous pain. Hasn't been able to go back to work. She was initially denied short-term disability, but then it was approved. And then the same insurance company uh, denied the long-term disability. She's already appealed, there we go, twice, was denied, big shock. She doesn't know what to do now, and I told her to call you. Can you help her? Yes, absolutely,
1: we can help. And uh, thank you very much for reaching out, Don. You know, I I always, um, it, it really bothers me when people you know, in good faith, try to appeal uh, an unfair decision, an unfair decision to deny a person the disability that they are entitled to under the law. Uh, and and especially somebody like your sister, who apparently has been dealing with fibromyalgia, which is a legitimate medical condition. I know there's a lot of controversy about it, but it's legitimate. In fact, I think John, maybe Gaga, if I read the news, just canceled the whole bunch of concerts yep. or a concert or something because of exactly that condition. And, and you know, Don, you're saying your sister used to manage at work despite that, but she had that fall. So, you know, other than the LTD issue here, which, you know, sorry, the STD issue here, disability issue that we can help her with, uh, there is also a potential claim for negligence against whoever was responsible for uh, the IC sidewalk. Now, if it's a municipality... Uh, I really hope that uh, the municipality was placed on notice of a claim. Remember, if you fall on a on, a, on, a, uh, on an icy sidewalk uh, that the city is responsible for, under the Municipal Act, you have mm. 10 yep. days to notify them in writing. The city clerk, make sure you do that. I hope she took photographs of the area. My point is there are two issues here that we're dealing with, Don. One is the slip and fall which could be a significant claim in itself because as a result of that, she now has a flare-up of her pre-existing yeah. condition uh, for which now she has issues working, as well as the disability claim for which she now appealed several times unsuccessfully. We can help with both of them. And one thing to remember is that oftentimes you have injuries caused by someone's negligence and you know, you're know you focusing either on the injury, in other words, the actual uh, uh, legal claim for the negligence, and not on the disability claim, and some sometimes, Don, you focus on the disability claim, but you don't really focus yeah. on on the the slip and fall or the negligence, and you know there is an interaction between them because there's different laws that apply. The claim for slip and fall here could be negligence, whereas the claim against the insurance company for the denial of the shortened disability is in contract law. So it's really, you know, the important thing is to go to someone, to a lawyer, to a law firm that really deals with all these issues. And that's one of the things that we do. We deal with all of these issues as well as with employment issues. Because eventually, Don, your sister may have issues at work. And that's when I'm going to tap one of the employment lawyers, one of my partners at the firm, who are going to give you advice or your sister advice about what to do with work. So very, very important that I do get in touch with your sister. She can email me. She can call me. You know, we always joke about the fact that if you email me at four in the morning, you're going to get an email back at 401. So you're not going to have an issue there. And I can tell you right now, at the absolute very least, Dawn, your sister is going to come out of this with a lot more information. She's going to be a lot
0: more confident about her legal options. And then she and you can discuss how she should proceed. About a minute to go here. I'll just ask you this quickly because you've been on both sides. Are some LTD insurers better to deal with than others? Does it change the way you deal with them or no? Uh, some, some adjusters are better than others. Some lawyers
1: are better than others. Absolutely. It doesn't alter completely my strategy. At the end of the day, my strategy is to maximize the compensation that my clients are entitled to under the law. But look, I mean, whenever you're dealing with somebody who's more reasonable, who's professional on both sides, whether it's on the defense or the plaintiff, it makes things go smoother, right? I've dealt with adjusters, with insurance companies, uh, with lawyers who are extremely difficult to deal with. And then I have to be extremely difficult with them. Nice. You know, the whole process for the lawyers is unpleasant. I try to keep my clients out of it. But for the most part, to be honest with you, people are reasonable, right? Adjusters understand that this is what they're, this is their business. Yeah, exactly. And, And the lawyers I deal with on a daily basis, for the most part, very professional. It's not like what you see in the movies, okay? Rarely, rarely, rarely do you end up in court. Most of
0: these cases resolve fairly quickly with little to no stress to anyone, particularly to the clients. Till next time, that number one 990 9646 email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And you're still wondering what your pain and suffering component of your claim could be? Check it out. An easy answer is injurycalculator.ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio, AM 640.